so, amen. Well, let's take a moment and pray and, and ask for God's blessing as we begin to share the word of God. Lord, we sense your presence today. And Lord, I recognize the inadequacies in my own life and the need for you more than ever. But Lord, our desire is to come to not seek perfection, but to seek you, to seek your face. And I pray that you would give utterance to the words spoken, that you would anoint, that you would carry your presence into the hearts and the minds of your people, and that, Lord, you would, you would do something in our midst, something supernatural, mighty, something that you desire at harvest. I ask this in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, <clears throat> amen. Amen. I want to uh, delve into a, a series I've taught on worship before, but I want to talk to you about the importance of worship, and today I'll just get into a little bit of a, of a picture of worship, and <clears throat> uh, my text is going to be in Matthew 26, Matthew 26, I want to talk to you a little bit about Mary of Bethany, we'll see how far we can get, but I want to make some time in space at the end of the service. Uh, I understand people have commitments and, and they go and they have things to do, I got it, get it, uh, but just my heart is in this series that we create a space where God can speak and move, and I'm going to develop that here in a moment. But uh, this is the first week in the series, and I'm going to be talking about a little bit of a picture of worship and the power of worship. But one of the most beautiful pictures of worship found in the Bible is that of a lady named Mary, Mary of Bethany, uh, we see in Matthew 26. Her heart of worship, her acts of worship is truly something which we must instill upon our lives if we want to make Church for the Harvest a house of worship, and that's what I want. I want a house of worship. Let me say this. Worship is not the prep band for the preaching. Did you get that? It's not the setup crew, you know, the, the opening gig. Worship is what we're about. Worship is why I come here. So I want to corporately worship him because he's worthy of everything. Amen? And so... House of worship, let me just read through the text, Matthew 26, 7. A woman came to him with an alabaster vial, a very costly perfume. She poured it upon his head as he reclined at the table. But the disciples were indignant when they saw this. And they said, why this waste? For this perfume might have been sold for a high price and the money given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said unto her, why do you bother the woman? I'll never forget a sermon that T.D. Jakes said one time where it's this he used the translation, leave that woman alone. <laughs> it's a great woman's message. But why do you bother the woman? For she has done a good deed to me. For the poor you have with you always, but you do not always have me. For when she poured out this perfume upon my body, she did it to prepare me for my burial. Truly I say to you, whenever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done shall also be spoken in the memory of her. And here we are over 2,000 years later speaking of this picture of what the Lord has done in through this woman. Amen. So in the last, I don't want to even say few months, but it's been on my heart for years, but especially the last few months and then weeks, I've been impressed to share on worship 
the why of worship, and the importance of creating a space in our gathering for God to, to, for us to linger, for us to allow the Spirit of God, the presence of God to show up. Uh, I would call a little bit of a, a lingering, a waiting, and, and uh, <clears throat> I, you know, how many of you know that we're very impatient as a people? <laughs> I'll be the first one to admit that. I'm, there's a, you know, when it came to the fruit of the spirit of patience, I must have been out. I must have been sleeping. Something happened. I just like, just very impatient. And, uh, you know, I think of a, we were traveled and we got, got the ability to get away a few weeks ago. And, and uh, we were in a, uh, like a Walgreens or something like that, picking up something. And the lady just stepped away from one of the counter and, uh, for prescription or something, and the lady kind of said, he said, it's going to take a little bit, maybe about 20 minutes so I fulfill this prescription for you. The lady came unhinged. <laughs> what? You got to be kidding. I can't wait here 20 minutes, and could you please have a, come on somebody, am I speaking to anybody? 20, 20 minutes to wait for your prescription to be filled. And then, and then we had another situation where this started off the whole uh, uh, time for us to get away, the park and fly in Minneapolis. I don't know if you've ever done that. And uh, that day, there happened to be over 408 vehicles showing up, parking, and they only had five buses to take people to the airport from 4 a.m. to 6, and we were part of that around 5.30. And so we get in, and this lady is sitting right next to me, fit to be tied. She came unhinged at the poor driver and just began to rail this man in front of everybody, screaming at him because she didn't allot, even the person she was with said, you know, if we had allotted more time, we wouldn't be in a rush. And I said, I'm, I was glad Mariah wasn't with because Mariah would have <laughs> jumped in on that situation. But I was just like, oh, dear God, is this the beginning of our vacation? Is this a sign? Anyhow, no, it was not. But impatient, impatient. And, you know, God doesn't work by our timetable. But when we have hearts, watch this, that are willing, that are transparent, that are open, and then we really desire to hear from him, to worship him, he is drawn to that. Okay, husbands, you know what I'm talking about. You did something wrong, whatever, you need to repent to your wife and, or need to make things right. And, 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 you know, if you don't have all your heart in that, how many know she can tell? You're not forgiving. No, until you're truly sorry. <laughs> yeah, we laugh, but we know it's true. Hey, God knows if our heart is here or we just can't wait to get out of here to go do the next thing. He knows. Well, <laughs> I'm here, but ah, this guy's going on way too long. He knows our hearts. And God, when he sees people that are hungry, that they don't care about anything else, but honoring him and worshiping him and loving on him, he desires that. That's why it says in the Bible, he walked with Adam and Eve daily. He wasn't far away. He walked with them in the garden because he created us and he wants a relationship with us. How many with me say amen? And so this has been stirred on my heart. And some of you, if you've been paying attention to any of the news, know about a, an outpouring 18 days ago. It was Wednesday, February 8th at a chapel service in Asbury University in Wilmore, Kentucky. And the auditorium is the huge, Hughes' auditorium. A few dozen students 
came forward in repentance. And I actually watched, you can actually go watch the service. It's about 35 minutes. And it's a, a young guy, middle-aged guy sharing. Kind of stumbled through some things with his words. And, you know, I was like, hey, I get that. And I'm just, I'm looking. And while I'm watching this, waiting for this huge light to come down on the stage and everyone to fall down. And none of that happened. You, you can watch it. And uh, he preached on love. He preached on, you know, you know, the students and loving one another and Romans. And then he walked off the stage. But something happened in the hearts of the students that God did because they were hungry for the Lord. And they were hungry for God to touch their life. And as they begin to just come forward and just begin to repent and begin to pray and God begin to orchestrate and, well, we have 18 days later and I've heard over 200,000 people have showed up. The town only can hold 6,000 people. Okay, so the, and I, and I understand, please, when I share this, you know my heart. The, the president of the university, they have students there that are paying to go to school. And so everything is disrupted. You've got people from all over the world showing up there. One pastor sold his car just to buy a ticket to get there. They don't have enough bathrooms for everybody that showed up. Think about that if you think of going there. And so they, they try to bring some structure to it and try to get it off, you know. I don't think they're trying to squelch God, but people, people could be crazy, Okay, I mean, and when they're in need, they'll do anything. I remember Jesus was preaching and they pressed all around the house and these four men had a paralytic. What did they do? Go on the roof, start ripping the roof and start laying them down. You know, it's like we feel God is there. But I began to, as I watched that and then watched some of the videos in the worship, you know, most of the songs are throwback songs. They're just, they're just but they're songs of transcendence. Now watch this, I'm going to get into something. They're not songs of deliverance. Now I thank God for the deliverance songs. I have been touched by God and I have been moved, but a lot of the songs of deliverance of what God does for me. But transcendent songs are songs of worship to Him. All right? And I think over the last 10, 15 years in the body of Christ, um, there's been songs that have come out and powerful songs. They make it up to the top 10, and, and these are really powerful, but they're songs that are deliverance songs, not so much of worshipful songs to the Lord in His majesty. Now, don't pick up stones, think, what, Pastor Mike, he's changing? No, I'm just, I want to bring a perspective, and there's some things I want to create space at harvest so God can move, so we don't have a Burger King uh, a Culver's drive through attitude when we come to church. Amen. It's like, hey, listen, ma'am, my order, I've been waiting here on the side with that little number. Where are you guys at? You know what? I'm out of here. Creating space for the Lord. Okay? How many with me say amen? And so, so we see this, uh, uh, this, this, this uh, I would call it more of an awakening down there. When it's a revival to me, this is just me personally, is when you have the universities in Austin where they're rioting in the streets and the cars are racing and they call 911, no police show up. You know, there's mayhem in these cities when those universities that are secular have kids that start turning the presence of God and, and there's a move of God in these secular places. I'm like, okay, revival is hitting America. Because those are places of cesspools of demonic teaching and rot that have affected our kids. That when you raise your kids in children's church, come on somebody, and you go to youth group, and then they hit off to the university, they have 
control of thought to change the mind of your kids into something you never even wanted. You, if you decide, listen to me, young people, you go, I'm going to a four-year secular university, you better have a solid group of believers. You better have a solid group of believers that you could tie into. Or don't go. Like, are you saying, listen, I want to be a brain surgeon. Obviously, you need to go to school. Amen? I don't want anybody working on my brain if they haven't been to school. But, but you know, there's some things you got to really prepare your heart. Before, years ago, we'd say, hey, this is great. Go get an education. Not now. It is control of thought, and it is demonic in many of them. And many of them, I know, as the son that went to a university, and, and that's what it is. And so we have to be very prayerful about it. And if you can do something by Zoom, and you can go show up a few times a year and get your degree, do that. Save yourself a ton of debt. Exorbitant. Now, that's just a little my soapbox. But let me get back to what I want to talk about. <clears throat> the outpouring of the Spirit of God. I, don't know, I do not believe that we have to all pack up and run and go to a place. I believe God wants to show up here. In, that, in, a, in a unique capacity, not rubber stamp what happens there. And I've been a part of it. I, did, I never went to Toronto. Some of you remember that. And that was a little bit different. I've been to Pensacola two times, waited in line out there. When I showed up and walked up, I thought people were worshiping God like they worship God here. People were being moved and touched by God like they were here. But, but God was moving. So there was something unique there. We went to Florida, my wife and I. There was something that lasted for about 80 or 90 days. And we were down there in the Orlando area. And, and God touched and moved. And there's been other places, you know. So I'm not against these things. And I'm not critical of them. But you know what? I think God wants to move in every church that is proclaiming the truth with his presence. So instead of, watch this, instead of having an attitude, I'm really coming off the hinges today. Instead of having an attitude of, we got to run down there. We got to go down there. Listen, I need a bathroom probably three times a day. I wouldn't last down there. I'm just telling you. I'm sorry. That's too much information. But listen, God wants to do it here in our midst. Not rubber stamp that, but move in his presence where people in every church in this community too that's proclaiming the truth. I want that for them. I want that for them. Amen. Amen. That's when we see the move of God in America. We're not a few hundred, but tens of thousands, if not millions of people, especially this Gen Z, come to Christ. Hallelujah. Somebody say amen. <clears throat> and so, so these songs, going back, I've noticed and observed... Uh, a, a lot of the songs that were sung down there, and I think the first service, they have the little, they didn't even have actually a full, I mean, you can even look at the stage. Our stage is so much nicer than that. And our sound system, at least now, is so much nicer than that. They didn't have smoke. They didn't have lights and mirrors. Come on, somebody. They had a, what's the little thing that the guy plays the box? Yeah, they, he, that's all. He was doing one of those, and two, two kids were singing, and God moved. Okay, come on, somebody. Nothing against these things. We rejoice. We thank God. We have a beautiful building and a beautiful place, but we don't worship that. We worship him. Okay, that's just our perspective here in this. But when I thought about the songs, and a lot of the songs have been songs of deliverance. Um, and, and once again, I've been touched by them. I have wept over some of those songs. There's one where a lady sings, I can't remember the song, uh, well, God's, you know, something has to break, I think is the name of the song. And during one of the, uh, towards the end, she talks about, you know, God is, you know, he's carrying you, he's holding you. Wow, that was powerful. There's a powerful moment in that song that affected me. But it's something that God's doing for me personally, and there's nothing wrong with it. How many hear what I'm saying? 
But God wants to inhabit the praises of his people, and he shows up when he is exalted, when he is worshiped. All right? And so, so I'm not getting on some legalistic or some bandwagon. Please hear me. But, but let me just say this. There are transcendent songs of worship. Deliverance songs, they're, they're not bad. They're great, once again. Uh, but there's a tendency of them to be, when you come to church, how do I share this? The focus is on, Lord, what are you going to do for me today? Are you with me? There's nothing wrong with that. God touches people. He's a giver. But when I come to church, I know I need God to do something in my heart, but my heart is, God, I need you. I worship you and your majesty because in doing that, he blesses me. He pours out on me. He, he, he gives me what I need, amen? And he'll give you what you need. But why? He's, he's worthy of worship because he's God. He's God. He's our creator. But I think of the songs where God is chasing after me or God is rescuing me, or, or he breaks my chains, or stay with me, or fill me up, or his love is pursuing me. These are impactful songs, but in some sense, they're not really transcendent. They're about what God is doing for me. And so the Lord, I believe, was pouring out a spirit in that season in the church, but I think there's a coming back, if I can say it this way. Can I say that? A coming back to, wait a minute here. Church isn't about me. Church is about him. Church is about worshiping God. The band isn't something that fills in for the preaching and warm up the people, whether they liked it or not, too loud, too soft, whatever. No, it's the main event, worshiping our God. Can somebody say amen? I'm preaching better than you're responding this morning. And so I've asked the worship team, and, and they've been amazing about slowly incorporating in our worship more songs directed, songs, worship songs about God. And once again, it's not a legalistic change, major shift. Uh, you've heard through the years be having throwback songs, and, and I think they're powerful. But how about like songs like this, I Exalt Thee. I exalt thee. I can't really sing, but huh, come on. Just saying that right there. Yes, I exalt you today, God. Not about me. I exalt you. Shh. Or holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Amen. Or ho how about this one? Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. Come on, somebody. Holy Spirit. Yeah, it's a change. It's a change of thinking in our worship, and we're just challenging on that. Oh, this one, let it rain. Open the floodgates of heaven. Amen? Or how about this one? I love you, Lord, and I worship you. Come on, somebody. Amen? So shout to the Lord. Amen? There, there are numerous songs that we will mix and incorporate. It isn't that, well, the older people are, you know, they're upset because, you know, no, no, no. This is something I'm feeling by God. We need to come back to the, the, the basics of worship. We, we're going to continue to learn new songs, and, and there, there are power in them. But how many know there are some timeless, transcendent worship songs that we can participate in? That's all I'm trying to say. Amen? Creating space for God for he, so where he can move, Holy Spirit can move to deliver, to touch uh, either during the service, uh, during worship, or at the end of each service when we, we come together. Now, let me just share a few things here, see how far we get. But I want to talk to you about a church fit for the king must be a house of worship. 
must be a house of, house, excuse me, of worship. You know, when Solomon built the temple, the last thing to be set in place was worship. They did all the construction. There's so many types and shadows about the temple and how even the stones, when they were cut, they were cut off-site. That, that they were cut and the noise and all the construction when they brought it. There was a lot of sacred things in the building of the temple. I, in 1988, I had the privilege to go to Israel for their 40th year, and the guide at that time, so this was quite early then, I think you can see it now, I'm not certain, but... You know, uh, in Israel, when something is corrupted and breaks down, they just build on top of it. They called them like a tell, I think it was called. Uh, and so you could have some building, but underneath it, they could excavate and find uh, where, oh, this was during the Byzantine period, or this was during the, you know, Roman Empire. And they just, they could do that through excavating. Well, the temple and that wall, the Western Wall, some call it the Wailing Wall. Now, we, could, we got to go, men on one side, women on the other, and pray, and and, but we had the opportunity to go down a tunnel to go down to the original bedrock of the Solomon Temple. So this was original, where Solomon built it. And I was down there, and they said, you know, no cameras or anything. We came to a spot. I think I've shared this before. There was a, like, they started to excavate into, into bedrock. And then they said about 20 meters in was really where the original Holy of Holies was. And so when the guy went through whatever... Uh, I just had someone there. How many know those days of the camera, it was just the, you know, the disposable throwaways ones where you click and send it in, they send you pictures. You, did some of you remember those cameras? <laughs> There's no adjustment on the land. It was click. And if there was a fly on it, that's what showed up, you know. <laughs> and, I, and I told him, I said, I had the yarmulke on. I said, can you just click a picture? I still have this picture. And I was 20 feet from the Holy of Holies. But what happened was they started to dig and they kept breaking the bits I mean, oh, God didn't want them to dig. <laughs> so they gave up. And so I was standing within just 20, 20 meters or so uh, from where the Holy of Holies was. But we got to go down where the original bedrock was. And I, I was looking, and you could see how some of the construction above during the Byzantine period. And then it was amazing. It was beautiful. The stone, they had like solid stone, 60 feet long, like impossible to even lift today that you could stick a credit card. It was that perfect in level with no imperfections. That was the foundation. Wow. So they did all this to build the temple. Why? Because the house of worship was so important. I said it was so important. Now, no house can contain the glory of God. No, no, nothing, not on this earth, not even the galaxy. Nothing because he's almighty God. But he does inhabit his people. He does come in to places and inhabit temples and churches. How many with me say amen? And so, so when he built that, the last thing that was ushered in was the presence of the Lord. And in 2 Chronicles 6, I know I'm spending a little time in this, but we see King Solomon, he prays a prayer of dedication of the new temple. And when we dedicated this place uh, last year, I, I prayed part of that prayer that was constructed. And the Bible says that Fire came down from heaven, consumed the sacrifice that was there. And then it says, it says, the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The glory of the Lord filled the temple so that, watch this, the priest and the people could not stand but bowed their faces to the ground in worship to God. Hmm. What does all that mean when you read that? How does that come across to you when I share that to you? 
I, I don't know. I mean, what, what the, the glory of the Lord filled the temple to where the priests and the people could not stand. So there is, I could say this, a presence of the Lord where we all fall flat down. Every single one of us. I don't matter how strong you are, I'm gonna let you fall flat down and you pray to go deeper into the ground because of the weight, the kabah of God. I've had few times in my life, very few, two times I can think of where I felt the weight and the kabah of God on me where I didn't want to move. Nobody, nobody did anything. There wasn't any kind of fancy. It was the presence of God in the midst of his people. Is this too much for you? Are you guys all right with this? You see, we're not pursuing manifestations. We're pursuing him. With him comes manifestations in his presence. And so you're saying God is not here. God is here. <laughs> God for sure is here. His presence is here. I feel that. But there can be an increase in his presence. Where people that you bring and invite to this church that don't even know God walk in and go, there's some, what, what's about this place? People have said that. They come in. There's, there's something there. I feel my heart being exposed. There's something going on. That's God. Just think about that. The presence of the Lord. If I said, what's the glory of the Lord? There'd probably be hundreds of different interpretations from you all uh, and answers. Let me say this. When the glory of the Lord is there, you'll know it. You, you, you will know it. And there'll be something unique that God will do in and through your life that touches you. And he's doing that even now. I really feel that. The Lord said, I'm touching people even now under his, his voice speaking, I believe, through me. It's the glory of the Lord touching people. And, <clears throat> you know, here's the thing. We will all know when God's presence has increased in our midst. There's this stillness. There's this lingering. There's this awakening. Uh, some of you, it may be a weeping. I've been in services where you just start to weep. Why? Are you sad? No. There's a touch of God. There's like a joy. How do you have joy and cry? I know what that's like. I'm like, I'm not sad. Keep pouring it on God. He's healing my heart. Am I speaking to anybody? That's God in our midst doing a work, surgery on your heart and on my heart. Wow. <clears throat> and there's a stillness. And, and many times in that, there's a repentance. There's a repentance, there's a crying out, there's a, there's a oh God, there's, a, a, there's an avalanche of pure love, pure love. You can't stop it. You just, you're just, there's the love of God and you sense it and it's carrying you. You haven't felt that, maybe never been touched like that in your whole life, but it's the love of God. And you feel accepted and you know it changes your life forever. I said it'll change your life forever. The presence of God. How many with me say Amen. <clears throat> There's the honor and the greatness of God, his glory, the weight. <clears throat> Someone once said, the glory of God is the invisible qualities, the character, the attributes of God displayed in a visible or a knowable way. God's invisible character made visible in our midst. Once again, we don't pursue manifestations. We're pursuing him. But you know what, church? Strange things can happen in church. Supernatural things can happen in church. Not weird things. It may seem strange to you, but when God touches and moves on a person, listen, if somebody comes that has demons and addicted to drugs or are in bondage and they come and get set free, they may howl, they're set free, whatever it is, cry, and they leave in soundness of mind, I'll take that any day. I'll take that any day. 
That's God moving. He's touching. He's touching people's lives. So very quickly here, one of the most beautiful pictures of worship found in the Bible is this lady named Mary. And so there's a reference in the scripture to the woman Mary of Bethany. She's the same woman from the story of Mary and Martha. She boldly approaches Jesus and pours out her expensive perfume to anoint him. The Bible says her action was looked down upon some of the onlookers. However, it was greatly appreciated. Watch this. Greatly appreciated by Jesus himself. I think in John chapter 12, it says that Judas was the one that complained. Figures. Well, we, this, this money could have been sold and given to the poor. Oh, how admirable. How noble of you, Judas. You were a thief. Come on, somebody. <clears throat> and, and, but, but Jesus said, leave this woman alone. What she's doing is right. It's for my burial. How many with me say amen? One of the, and so let me just touch on this here quickly. The alabaster box. I just found one of, during the, uh, hundreds of years ago, it's mentioned three places in the Bible here in Matthew, then in Mark, and then in Luke 7. And, uh, but one Bible study dictionary tool shares this. He said, these boxes were made from a stone found near Alabastron in Egypt. The woman broke the vessel. She broke it off. It was actually done a long and narrow neck so as to reach the contents. The stone resembles marble but is softer in its texture and hence Uh, very easily wrought into boxes. The dictionary goes on to share that the breaking of the box of perfume would have been very costly to Mary. And stories told that it had been a year's worth of wages. Wow, that's a lot. And so there are spiritual meanings uh, to this box being broke. One of it is like our lives. The box can represent our lives that we ourselves, we come broken like that box before a holy God and we surrender and, 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 and we, we submit to God, to his sacrifice of our sins, and, and that we can find true freedom in that unhindered release of control as where we give our lives afresh and anew. That's, that's one way. Uh, where we repent, we ask for forgiveness and cleansing, and we receive God's mercy and grace. Amen? But another one is worship, and that's what I want to speak upon in this series the, uh, the component of worship. And the alabaster box can also symbolize giving God our best and our all. Let me say that again. The box can be symbolic of giving God, when we come to church, our best and our all. That was Mary's first fruits in a way. Now here's the thing. Mary did not bring the least she had to Jesus. She brought her absolute best. She brought the most expensive item to pour over a more than worthy Savior. Why? She believed Jesus. She anointed him even before his death and burial. So one of the many lessons we can learn from Mary is that Mary gave it all. Say that we say, Mary, she gave it all. I just want you to think about that as we gather and we worship. That it's not about us. It isn't that God doesn't care about what's been weighty on our hearts, that we may come with needs to the house of God, and that God can answer and minister to them. That's what church is about. Amen? But our posture and our mindset is, I come to worship to give God my all. I want it to, to just soak in. The scripture says this act of such love and devotion was done to prepare Jesus for his burial, as we mentioned. The disciples and those around her, we know they, they mocked, especially Judas, it was a waste. But Jesus honored her for her great love for him 
and we talk about it even today. You know, friends, God will sometimes ask us to sacrifice in order to obey him. Think about that. It's not always easy, but it's worth it. The risk is nothing in comparison to the reward. (laughs) Amen? Mary teaches us to give the Lord our whole hearts and our whole lives. And the Bible tells us that in Matthew 16 that we are to pick up our crosses daily, right, and follow him. If anyone would come after me, let him deny. Somebody shall deny himself, herself, and take up his cross and follow me. So Mary came and she denied herself when she came. Once you get that. She denied herself of her most valuable possession, and she gave Jesus her everything. She gave Jesus her best in his presence. Mm. So in light of eternity, all that this world has to offer us, how many know that it is nothing compared to Christ in his presence? It really isn't. All the fun, all the excitement, all the experiences, how many know they just, they wane really quick, really quick, and it's gone, and it's pursuing the next thing, but his presence sustains. His presence satisfies the soul, the presence of God. Mary denied herself. And how many know that we are all called, every single one of us, individually, to deny ourselves and when we come? You know what? How are you denying yourself? Sometimes people want to argue Scripture. Well, Scripture says that. I believe it says this. Are you denying yourself? That's a great question. Amen? So we see her heart of worship, her acts of worship is truly something which we must instill, I believe, upon our lives if we want to see this church, Church for the Harvest, a house of worship, being known as a house of worship. Very quickly, just I'm going to probably just get one point here, uh, and then we're going to conclude, but there's some worship we're going to sing here, worshipful uh, songs. Uh, The Bible says uh, she came with a preparation. So if I could say the first point was preparation, preparation. Our posture when we gather corporately to worship. Once again, worship is not some kind of opening kickoff band for the show to follow. When Mary came to Jesus, she did not come unprepared. I want you to think about that when we come to church, to not come unprepared. Sometimes we come to church and we're just like, well, you know, whatever. Oh, they're going to have good coffee. They're going to have some fellowship. Oh, I need to meet so-and-so and talk. And the focus on our heart and mind is we're going to come to worship God. We want to worship God. I need God today in my life. I need him every day. He's magnificent. He's beautiful. He's all holy. Yeah, I'm struggling. Yeah, I got problems. I got this, that, that going on in my body, whatever. But I come to worship him in spirit and in truth. How many with me say amen? <clears throat> you know, we all prepare for things that we know that are coming up, right? If you have a flown, how many you know you shouldn't pack the day you're flying? Two hours out, right? My wife, when she knows you're going somewhere, it's like a week before the luggage comes up. I'm like, it's not even two a week. She's preparing. So she has everything she needs, and, and she brings it all. And, uh, but, but we prepare. How many know what I'm talking about? When, when, uh, if, if the kids go off to school and they need a lunch, if they still do that today, you prepare the lunch or the clothes they need laid out. You know, for the most part, unless they dress themselves, you need to prepare that or preparing for a trip. Whatever it may be, we prepare. Mary came prepared to worship Jesus. Mm. 
so too when we come to the house of God, our posture. I can just imagine Mary before she left her house praying, what gift do I bring him? What, what, I'm, I'm going to see him. What gift? What, 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 what can I bring him? What can I bring him? And what does she do? She goes to the most costly thing in her house. Oh, that's right. I've been, I've been, that thing I purchased through, through years and years of savings. That's what I'm going to bring him. Wow. Hmm. And I know she was led by God to that a very expensive jar of perfume to anoint Jesus. Watch this. For her to come to Jesus in such a manner, her thoughts must have been preoccupied with Jesus. No, I get it. When you have kids, we've had kids. I know what it's like. Our kids were raised in church. They slept under some of the chairs at times, being in long meetings. And they're just, the church is just part of their life. And, you know, but I understand getting kids ready. If you've got a number of kids and they're all little, that's a chore. That's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. But even with that, as you come in, you have to have a preparation in your heart to know God is going to touch my kids today. God is going to move. Something can happen while they're in children's church or when they come to you that can alter their life forever because something that is spoken or the presence of Jesus touching their life. Do not think that the presence of God cannot come upon children. I've seen children four, five, six years old overtaken by the presence of God. They, they know what's going on too. They know it's Jesus. They know it. They know it. That's the God we serve. So her thoughts have been preoccupied with Jesus. So too when we come to church to worship God with an attitude. Is, do our thoughts, are they an attitude of sacrifice? And here's the thing, Mary, she just doesn't worship God in public. She is a daily worshiper whose heart is set on the Lord. So in other words, she's at home. She's not in a public place, and she's thinking, what can I bring that's worshipful? Even at home, the Lord, I believe, is putting his, his finger on our time. Just even at home, are we worshipers at home? Just laying that before you here this morning. How sad, how often it is that we don't worship God throughout the week. The only time we worship God is when we gather in church on Sunday. That's, that's very sad. This should not be your only time of worship. There should be a private time of worship for you. There should be a time. Listen, you know what? I, garbage in, garbage out. Okay? I mean, you turn on, well, she left me in some country, whatever, and you're feeding yourself all of this all week, and you wonder why it's hard to lift my hands. Sunday morning, we're like... Preach, Pastor Mike. I believe I will. Amen? What are we feeding on? What are we feeding on? And it's like hard to worship. It's like, oh, 10,000 pound arms. Ah, oh. You know, I get it. For some people, and we have a, we have a mixed multitude in here, and that's beautiful, and I thank God for that. You know, the children of Egypt, would, uh, the Israelites, when they left Egypt, a lot of the Egyptians came. There was other different tribes that came with them because they saw his God is God. Their God is God. And so we have that. So for some people even here today, just for you to go like this, wow, that's huge. That's huge. I'm going to lift my arms this high. Or for some people, watch this, to sway. Man, that's big, but that's okay. We don't judge anybody in that. But you know what? For some, hallelujah, to lift their hands is just normal. What am I trying to say? It's not judging your posture. It's coming with an attitude of worship to give God your best. Stand with me if you would, please. Giving God your best. Worship team, you come forward. We'll just continue on this as I feel God's, God's presence on this.
And so my heart is that we strive not in the flesh, but we pursue. Maybe that's a better word for creating the atmosphere. Of, uh, we, and, we, and we really do this as a church. Now, let me just throw this out. We, we really we strive for excellence in what we do. I'm, that's, just, that's just who we are, okay? If there's a note that needs to be on some wall, it's not handwritten. It's typed. It's nice. That's attributed to my wife and the leadership team here. We like things done with excellence, but not at the expense of the presence of God. Okay, so there's a balance to that. So do, do we sometimes side a little bit too much on the having things excellent? Yes, we do. We do. But I also recognize we need God's presence. And some of those things we need to say, wait a minute, this is really important. This is so vital, the presence of God. Amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. She came with preparation. And so we really, we really strive here at Harvest to create an atmosphere that there's no humming in the sound system. It's like, what? Did these people not get this? Or that the heat and cool is just right. Those are natural things. But how many of you know one drop of one thing, everybody can be distracted by that? It's how it is. And people can lose. And, and in that moment, God could be speaking and a distraction can happen. So, so what are you trying to say, Pastor Mike? We come with preparation. Not perfection, but we come to honor God. How many see that? Say amen. Every head bowed here this morning, if you would. Mary came prepared to worship. And I want to just challenge you all this morning, myself included. Are you coming prepared to the house of God to worship? Oh, that's heavy. I'm going to say it again. How are you coming prepared to the house of worship? Just dialoguing between husband and wife. That's huge. That's huge. Is there tension? Should you make things right? The Bible says, let not the sun go down on your wrath. Oh, yeah. How many times that has happened? And we come. There's this angst in our soul. There's unforgiveness. There's bitterness. Come on, I know I'm speaking right now prophetically. There's hurt. There's anger. There's, there's fear. How are we coming? Simply by coming to the Lord and saying, Lord, I don't know how to fix this. I don't know what to do, Holy Spirit, but touch my life. I release all that right now. Can we just do that this morning? With every head bowed, if you able to, if you have the boldness to lift your hands, do that. The Bible talks about lifting up holy hands without wrath or without doubting. For some of you, that's, this is a huge thing. This is a huge thing. But it's just, it's normal in kingdom, in the kingdom of God. And so, Lord, right now, this act of surrender for your people. I just pray right now, whatever it is that tries to hold us back. We are not preparing our hearts to worship you. We're, we're, we're not coming prepared. We're coming distracted. Whatever it may be, Lord, release that from our life right now, I pray. Come against that hurt right now that is lodged in someone's soul where they just think, I cannot get past this, whatever that is. Some of you are laden with guilt. You have a smile on your face. Nobody knows, but you walk around with the weight of guilt on your soul. And Jesus is healing you right now. He's healing you right now. He's releasing you of that guilt. Some of you, the constant reminder, there's unforgiveness in your soul. He did that. She did that. She said that. So-and-so happened. And, you, and in Jesus' name, I release you from that. 
that you can come prepared to the house of God, that you can come prepared to the house of God and receive everything the Lord has. I bind everything right now in the name of Jesus that causes you to not see what God wants you to see. Man, I feel God here. The Spirit of God is here, opening eyes, opening ears, opening hearts, touching lives in the name of Jesus. You're here today and you don't know the Lord. You're not right with God. You need to get right with God. This is a very important part, the most important part of the service. I want to pray for you in a prayer. It's a prayer of repentance that you can align your heart, that you can come prepared to the house of God and receive everything he has. But the Bible says you first need to be born again. If you say, I'm not, I I don't have that assurance of salvation. I mean, God forbid if I died today, I, I don't know if I would go to heaven and I want to. You've come to the right place. The Bible says now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day. Will you open your heart? Will you receive Jesus in your life? Will you repent of your sin? You say, yes, pastor. Pray with me. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, today I surrender my life. I give it to you. I believe you died on the cross for my sin. Jesus, I give you my life. Now take it. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, if you prayed that and you meant that, you're born again. You're born again. God's Spirit has moved into your spirit. And He is washing. He is cleansing. He is forgiving. He is healing even now. In Jesus' name.